Well, when I was 17, I would like to confess that I fell in what I thought it was, love. From the day I met this girl in my year 10 class, I kept on focusing and focusing on her so much. I sacrificed my friends. I began to sacrifice my education. I sacrificed my football. I sacrificed even my love for donuts to pursue this girl with deep affection. What did I do in this time of pursuing? Well, in order to please this girl, I remember focusing my attention on learning the guitar so much so that I began to put on recordings online on this website called Triple J Unearthed. Have you guys heard of that? Triple J? And so I'm not sure if the songs are still up there, but I found one the other day on YouTube and it embarrassed me so much, but I was putting up demo tracks online in order to pursue and please this girl. Rather than working hard to please God, I invested all my money, all my time, all my talents, all my attention into launching songs. I wanted to simply please the girl. But one day, after showing her a new song, she said to me, I remember in her living room, in her own house, we were only there together for 15 minutes, she said bluntly to my face, Jesse, you are no longer my jam. In, in those days, it meant to say, I'm not interested in you anymore. And so, my dreams were crushed. And even though I walked away from God for a season, I must confess, when I was 17, I had this great conversion moment when I was 16, but when I was 17, I began to work, walk further and further away from God. Even though I was doing that, God was gracious to me. In that time of high school pain, God redirected my gaze back to him. At first, my life was not all that holy, but the more I trusted God, the more I focused on God, the more I began to desire deep down to please him, to please him. And this is at the heart of that Philippians reading today. They are a hurting church, the church of Philippi. Maybe some were tempted to walk away from the Lord because they had heard the news that their church planner, Paul, was in a Roman prison and they were beginning to lose trust in God. But Paul longs for them to remain steadfast, to keep on going, to keep on being joyful, not to be complacent, but be full of the Spirit of God. Paul wants them to keep working hard to please God. He desires them, in other words, to live a life that is worthy of the gospel, chapter 1, verse 27. And so, with that vision in mind, pleasing God, I'd like you to open up your Bibles again. Look with me at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. I'm actually quoting from the ESV translation today because I think it's a better translation in this particular section. And I would like to highlight two things here. So verses 12 on the screen, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In sum, work out your salvation ultimately not for your glory, but for whose pleasure? Whose pleasure? God's. We're called to live a life in pursuit of personal holiness 
obedience for the glory, the majesty, the good pleasure of God. But you might be asking a question here. This sounds like we're saved by what we do. Work out your salvation. Are we saved by what we do? Do we need to do a lot of good deeds in order to be saved? I would like to say no. Let's read the text carefully. In the Bible, when we see the word salvation, it's often talking about three different things. It could, even be, it could either be talking about past salvation, what Christ accomplished on the cross. Jesus died on the Roman cross. He shed his blood for your sin once and for all. And so if you trust in Christ, what do you get? Forgiveness, the gift of salvation, the hope of eternity. You can be a child of God forever. You can be adopted into the family of God. And so in the past, believers are saved immediately from the penalty of sin. We're really good with that as an evangelical youth ministry. We love focusing in on what Christ has done for us on the Roman cross to save us once and for all. But also, when we're thinking about salvation, there is also a future element attached. And so the past is all about justification, big Bible word, you should learn it. But there's another big Bible word and it's glorification. And so we are in this now, but not yet. So we have been saved by faith in Christ, but we have not reached eternity yet. We have not reached the new creation. And so there's this future element of salvation that we're going to arrive at a place, world without end, eternity, glory with God the Father and all who love God together. We're going to live in eternity together. Just imagine it, what it's going to be like. Paradise, Jesus calls it, when he's dying on the cross beside the thief. But I'd like to focus in on us another aspect, which is often overlooked. And that is the present work of salvation. So Jesus died for you to make you holy. But when you receive Jesus as your Lord, you're not necessarily holy. Your life is still pretty broken. You still do the things that you don't want to do. You might be still doing secret things online or things with your parents or things at school that you actually don't want other people to see. There's still sin in you. And so this is really what Paul's talking about here. The present work of salvation becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Another word is becoming more obedient or growing in holiness. We are called to work out our salvation, to strive to become who we have made, been made inside, which is holy on the outside through a holy life. Are you guys with me with that? And so we call that big Bible word sanctification, becoming who we are called to be in Jesus. Stephen Lawson, who is a great preacher in America, puts it this way. They were not to work for their salvation. If you're hearing that, that's not what I'm saying, but out of their salvation. They were to work out what God had already worked in. And so the type of faith here is actually a radical call of surrender. Paul is urging the Philippians to give up everything to become who they were made to be in Christ. This type of faith is not let go and let God type faith. 
and I hear so many things online, particularly on Instagram reels, just let go. Let God do it. But actually, Paul's calling us to action, to not be passive, but to be action. When it, like putting things into action when it comes to our own personal sanctification, to take responsibility over our spiritual growth. This is couch potato Christianity on the screen. Let go and let God. Christianity like this actually results often in a wasted life. Instead, every believer must put intense effort into their pursuit of holiness. All for God's good. What? Pleasure. Pleasure. So how should we think about working out our salvation? How should we think about that? Well, to give you an image to help you understand what this might look like, let me point to one of the greatest weightlifters in history, modern history. Does anyone know who that is on the screen? Hands up. Arnold who? Schwarzenegger. How do you think he went from a skinny, scrawny little kid to that machine? Any ideas? Steroids might be one thing, but we will ignore that right now. Any other ways he might have got to that size? Any ideas? Working out hard, making sure that he was on, consistent, focused. What did he eat? Protein, meat, chicken breasts, a bit of rice to get those muscles pumped up, ready to go. He made, so he maintained a consistent routine. He ate good food. He increased his weight on the bar to get bigger and he challenged himself every day. This disciplined life enabled him to win contest after contest and he won this great award sorry, called the Mr. Olympia seven years in a row. He was a beast. Likewise, if we're going to get spiritual gains for God, if we are going to grow in holiness, godliness, become more obedient, we must, phrase in Philippians, work out with intense effort. We need to have an intensity to our growing in holiness, a consistency. We need to be eating and feeding on spiritual protein for the Christian that is the word of God. We need to be focusing our mind's attention. We do that through community, through prayer, as we encourage each other to keep on running the race that Christ has called us to run. To quote that scholar Stephen Lawson again, he says, Every believer must exert effort in his or her pursuit of holiness. Spiritual couch potatoes grow little in grace or holiness. Being in prayer, studying the Bible, and then obeying it in your life requires serious work. It doesn't come easy. If you want to grow in your faith, work out. Work hard. Be focused. Be disciplined. God will bless that. God will bless that. And so... I would like to pause for a moment and just ask the question, do you desire to live a life that pleases God? I hope you say, yeah, I want to live a life that God looks at and smiles upon with great pleasure. 
Well, if that's your desire, what are you doing to please God? Are you exercising your spiritual muscles to surrender all to Jesus Christ? Such intense discipline is critical if we are to live lives that please God. And so this is the big idea on the screen. Believers who work hard for God, please Him. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for God's good pleasure. But I'd like to zoom in one last in one last area today you might be thinking how can I actually please God with my life what are some practical things I could do to take away today to focus my attention on in my spiritual journey so I grow in holiness in obedience well verses 14 to 18 answer that question I'm not going to look at at them all with you but to summarize, Paul then exhorts the Philippians. He encourages them, if you desire to please God, do these four things. Do not grumble. Do not complain. Shine the lights. Live this blameless life. Do not be like the world, in other words. Hold fast to the word. And in the Greek, it has the idea of holding fast as to also share that holding fast with others. It has a proclamation attached to that holding fast. Or simply, keep on being glad. Keep on rejoicing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not grumble. Shine the light. Hold fast to the word. Share the joy. But let's go deep into one. Verse 14. Open up your Bibles with me. Let us look at one area we can focus in on to build our muscles, and that is our mouth muscle. Do everything, Paul says, without grumbling and complaining, or grumbling or, and arguing. Paul does not say, do most things without grumbling. It's actually pretty like serious stuff. He says, don't do anything in your life with that negative, grumbling attitude that brings people down, that breaks communities apart. He's urging them to be people of joyful positivity. He's saying in everything, don't complain. He's not saying, though, you can't argue about important things with respect or to give feedback to your leaders or ministry leaders. He's not saying that. He's really zooming in at your heart's posture. What is... What is what is your heart, what is going on in your heart when you're giving that feedback? If it has that grumbling attitude attached to that, maybe that is not God pleasing. The point is about the attitude of our hearts and the tone of our voices. The person who grumbles and grumbles is always negative, eager to pick a fight, complains under their breath, or lives with this hypercritical spirit and doesn't want to th see things really grow. Maybe they're holding on to the past. It used to be like this. And because, for example, Christchurch St. Ives today is not like this, then, man, what's the point? Where those who are glad and rejoice look at the reality of where we are today and ask, what if more and more people came into this space? What could we do to be building the kingdom of God here? Do you see the difference between the grumbler and the joyful saint of Jesus Christ? The 
joyful saint is looking forward to see what is possible. The grumbler often is stuck in the past, can't move beyond it, and doesn't see what God is doing in the present. They tear communities apart. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be someone full of gladness and joy rather than someone grumbling and always complaining and ruining church communities. And so here's five things that I thought up of areas in your own daily life where you might be tempted to grumble. Let's look at them on the screen. Maybe curfew restrictions, strict curfew rules imposed by parents or guardians. Hands up if that's a struggle for you. Do you like to just stay out all night? No struggles, cool. What about chores at home? Hands up if chores at home is annoying. <laughs> yes. Sometimes your dad says, take that bin out and it stinks. You don't want to touch it. Sometimes you have to actually touch the goo in there to be able to tie it up and put it in the bin. Yuck. You don't want to do it. Or maybe a lack of privacy, intrusion into personal space, such as constant monitoring of phone or internet. I remember hearing of a guy who has a daughter and he got access to her phone while she was not looking. And he intruded in such a way where he went onto her Instagram account and she, he saw that she was following these guys and messaging these guys. And so he opened up one of their accounts and liked every photo and said, you look so good at that. You look so good at that. XO, 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 fire, fire, fire. Could you imagine the trauma of that girl? So maybe a lack of privacy is something concerning you. Or maybe family conflicts, arguing or disagreements with family members, or maybe, maybe even pressure to excel. Maybe you are someone who just has like every day of the week curriculum, more activities, and you're just so overwhelmed. You don't actually have the mental capacity to say to someone, oh, I'm struggling because you're just so overwhelmed and anxious. These things can cause us to grumble. What might tempt you to have that hypercritical spirit that doesn't build up the body of Christ, but hurts people around you? A bitter heart cannot coexist with a joyful gospel heart. What does your heart say about you? Well, counter a heart of grumbling with a heart of joy. Let me close with these words from verse 18. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. If we become people who rejoice and be glad in Christ every day, make that our conscious decision, you will live a life of joy in obedience. Let us pray and ask God together to help us, to give us the strength to, give, to live lives that please our God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing amid this senior high group. And we do pray that you help us to become who we are created to be in Christ. People overflowing with joy, people who are living lives that
please you in every way. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.